Welcome to the Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast, the tirade-filled movie debate podcast hosted by two film critics, cool dads, and struggling teachers. I'm Don Shanahan. I'm William Johnson. We're new, and we're damn glad to have you. Folks, this is all for tantrum's sake, where shared passions and high fives wash away any place for hate. In the end, we encourage you all to love what you love. But for now, the gloves are off and the hissy fit is on. Conveniently, though, this is special, folks. This is a double hater edition. No one's loving it. We are both hating it, and we're just going to have our hissy fit (laughs) together. So this is a, hey, Dylan, you son of a bitch. Kind of, you know, high five and pump muscle fake between Will and I, because this week we're going to talk about Godzilla versus Kong, recommended by neither one of us. Our <laughs> format remains this. The recommending lover goes first. In this case, Will said, eh, I'll go first. He will get five uninterrupted minutes to shower his hate or praise and state his high-minded case of why this movie gives him a headache. The hater follows with five interrupted minutes, and I guess that's just the second hater for me. Five uninterrupted minutes of their own to present their counterpoints with any manner of intellectual scorched earth. Man, I wish more earth got scorched in this movie than anything, but we'll get to that. (laughs) After that, we'll open it up for 15 minutes of shared conversation where the hissy fit really gets chippy, but more than anything, we're just going to pile on this movie. We hope you've got your judges scorecard. No one's going to win. No one's going to lose because we all lose watching this movie. Folks, (laughs) I know y'all liked it. I know it made a lot of money, but Godzilla versus Kong is not something the cinephile hissy fit podcast can recommend. Here we go. Will, how you doing? This will be fun. Well, I have a question for you. Um, All right, wait Start. Mm -hmm. Before you watch this film, were you a specific team? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. I know we kind of razzed each other a little bit on on social media. I was a Team Zilla man because, Mm. oh, my God, you have a nuclear-powered lizard against a furry, fat ape. Give me the heat. (laughs) I was rooting for the heat. I was um, – because that automatically makes King Kong an underdog, right? I would think so. So I, I I vote for the underdog every time. I think the underdog. So I was a Team Kong, and plus – Spoken as like I'll, a true Buccaneers fan. I mean, as, as I'll probably uh, emphasize when we talk about this film, um, I the only film I liked in this shared universe, the MonsterVerse, was Kong Skull Island. So that's the only one I I like as well. So I mean, so I I, I yeah. went against my I went with my head instead of my heart for sure to go Team Zilla. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, uh, are you a are you very versed in? I'm okay. I'm okay. You know, I, I I go back to the 1954 one and, and really enjoy what that one has to do. I need to need to need to see what is it? 2016's Shin Godzilla, kind of a throwback, mm. but made by the Japanese to back to the kind of the heart of the matter. I'd like yes. to see that. Obviously, the Roland Emmerich one is just so terrible, and. After that, there's a lot of bad 80s in there and bad 70s that I've caught here and there, but more than anything out of fun and farce. Are we about the same age? How old are you? I am 41 going on 42 this August. Yourself? Okay, so I'm 38 going on 39 okay. in June. Okay. So for both of us, I think the um, – as Americans, I yeah. think the 98 
was it 98 98 Godzilla yeah. was kind of a huge event. Oh gosh, yeah it was. I mean, boy they and they undersold the heck out of that with uh that was good old fashioned movie marketing right there where like the trailers gave you just little snippets, little jiggles, little things and then you see that foot come down and crush the T-Rex as if it's like thumbing his nose at Spielberg and the Jurassic Park franchise which had just come out the year before with Lost World. So, oh yeah, like I was front row seat first night, couldn't wait, you know. And then I watched that dumb ass movie and I just went, oh, that's what we all got hyped for. Oh, man. Yep. It's one of the first times I've ever been let down by a movie. True. Which segues into this because yeah. I, I got to say I was a little bit excited, but um, yeah, I shouldn't have been. I, but, I uh, had hopes. All right. Let me get your five minutes going. Ready? Am I, am I first? Okay. You are first. Fire right. away. Okay. So usually a little peek behind the curtain here, guys. Um, at Cinephile Hissy Fit. We often kind of um, plagiarize ourselves. We like to kind of look into the reviews we've written and kind of build off of that because it is our mm-hmm. original thoughts anyway. Um, but as I was looking to kind of see my pre-prepared script to talk about Godzilla versus Kong, um, I realized that in my letterbox, I only have a one-sentence review of this film, <laughs> and it was a colorful turd. Um, so I really don't have much to elaborate on my review aspect of this, but what I will say is that I received a screener for this, um, but apparently my, my computer is too old, um, to play it, um, which I don't know what that says about me, but, uh, so I had to watch it on my phone. So there was already a strike against it there. So that's kind of Mm -hmm. my fault. Um, so I really couldn't respect the grandeur of this film. And I will say that as a positive, the film is very luscious and gorgeous to look at. Um, it's very colorful. And I don't think it's <clears throat> so colorful to be obnoxious. I think that it's to be obnoxious. It's, it's more, uh, it's not as headache inducing as I thought it would be. Um, it's actually kind of got a, a touch to it. And from my understanding, I have not seen any of director Adam Wingard's previous films. Um, but my understanding is that he is kind of a neon infused director or uses a lot of neon. So whatever power to him there. <clears throat> he put a little bit of a thumbprint on the film by using colors. And there's a lot of evocative shots in this uh, one shot that comes to mind for me is when Godzilla, who, or I'm sorry, King Kong, who has an axe in this movie for some reason. (laughs) Right. um, uh, He's uh, about to chop the living shit out of Godzilla in Hong Kong. And he's coming down with the axe. And Godzilla's about to shoot his nuclear breath or whatever the hell it is. And they show Godzilla's, or um, they show King Kong's face. And it's saturated in blue. It's like a, G- a Jim Cameron wet dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it looks very evocative and, and interesting. Um, and, I, you know, I'm just struggling to find nice things to say about it. I mean, <laughs> I, I, that's, that's why it's the double hater edition. I hear you. Yeah, because color can only get you so far. I mean, when I think of a very colorful film, I think of Thor Ragnarok, which uses colors very brilliantly. Mm-hmm. But there's actually like characters you care about, and it's funny. 
And Godzilla vs. Kong does the same thing that the uh, American MonsterVerse Godzilla and Kong films did, which is it gives a lot of time to really unimportant, unnecessary human characters. Mm-hmm. This one's not as bad as the other ones, like the Godzilla from 2014 or whatever. Oh, yeah. Was like five minutes of Godzilla and you know nine hundred minutes of um, you know Elizabeth Olsen and the really mm-hmm. boring guy who played Quicksilver in Age of Ultron and um, and uh, stuff like that. Um, Kong Skull Island did it, but I think the fact that it kind of made Kong an essence of the story, um, and also that it had a unique setting. It was kind of in this like kind of throwback to these seventies Vietnam era. Right films, plus it had just a great cast. I mean, we're talking yeah. Samuel Jackson, Brie Larson, Tom Hiddleston, all these guys. I give it a little bit of a pass because it just had a great cast and a great setting, and mm-hmm. Kong was more part of the plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is because Godzilla, frankly, doesn't really have a character. Um, Kong has a little bit, um, which I appreciated in this film. You could you could say this was actually a Kong film, sure. Uh, that just happens to have Godzilla in it, um, and he's a lovable creature. Um, hard not to root for, even if you're Team Godzilla. But yeah, I think that when you're relying on the charisma and screen presence of a gigantic monkey, you're really starting off on a bad foot. Because yeah. um, he can be as cute as possible, but that's the way it goes. Plus, this movie has a little kid in it. Fuck that. Hey, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I know. I know. No, I, you, you're you're circling the same places I'm hating. Where um, I admit coming into this, like my peek behind the curtain is, I just got done this past week and a half, kind of reviewing the MonsterVerse, or at least all of it, but Kong Skull Island for twenty five. Well, where um, I was given a screener copy of the four K release of the twenty fourteen Gareth Edwards one, and I. I have to admit, I, at arm's length, I can admire that movie because it it tried to do dark and serious when we all we've seen for most of our lives with Godzilla is camp, and I I did I I didn't mind that approach to try a little something different. I I know that sounds very DC versus Marvel to be overly serious when you can't have fun and all that, and it it is a bit of a humorless joyless movie, although it is intimidating enough to kind of be imposing. But you're right, they. That movie still makes the very first mistake that screws all these up, which is spending way too much time on characters you just aren't invested in and characters you don't care about. Um, Kong Skull Island at least has enjoyable characters, and that to me is the same thing. It's the the high watermark of this MonsterVerse is is the Kong movie because stylistically it has a lot more going on for it. Fantastic cast, as you said, John C. Riley is a hoot. Oh yeah, and, that's right. You know, and, and and Brie Larson's fun, and Tom Hiddleston has his little James Bond audition doing his thing, and that's fun. And then you get to, it's it's as if Warner Brothers did the op did what they did with DC. They saw that the 2014 Godzilla did had diminishing returns, and it dropped like 73 percent at the box office the second weekend, and just limped to a finish. Had a big, great big opening, and then limped to wherever it got. Where they said, you know what, maybe that was a little guys, that was a little too serious. We should really, you know bring back all the ham and cheese and, you know, mash and toy action figures together. And you got that in Kong King of the Monsters, or I'm sorry, Godzilla King of the Monsters. And 
you the hard part is though you made that movie as noisy and as dumb as possible because while you have these great monsters doing their thing it's you're still wasting your time watching human characters gawk at the fun instead of have the fun and that's what stinks is that you couldn't just leave these guys to just i i know my phrase in my review was going back to the very first movie was let them fight and we get to the new one and all we get is like two and a half kind of showdowns and battles and one really ruined by the trailers if you're the kind of people that watch trailers ahead of time where and i went and saw the trailer after the movie and i'm like gosh boy they gave away the whole sea battle fight in the in the trailer and that's kind of blows so like if i was hyped up on that which a lot of people seem like they were and you get that battle and then a little bit later with the the neon in hong kong if that's all you get that's not a lot because we spend an awful lot of time chasing around podcasters and little navy brats and this dumb little girl who can't talk but has a great affinity to the monster just characters i don't care about you got alexander skarsgård who might as well be aaron Eckhart from the core the most conveniently buff failed crappy college professor and artist you'll ever meet in your life who just you know perfect little action star in disguise rebecca hall is a fantastic actress but is given you know just not much to really work with and do and then she's the you know standing behind a little girl who gets all the good stuff so yeah this movie just not enough of the good stuff for me i i either they're at the point where they have to kind of pick a route and i don't know what route they've ever chosen because you start with this great serious movie in 2014 you ham it up with the toy smashing sequel you have fun cheeky fun with with kong skull island along the way and then you get here and you put them together and it should be so easy as to just let them go but then you have all these dalliances of stuff we just don't care about we go to this whole hidden earth thing. And I'm an old, I'm an old school sci-fi fan. I, I read Edgar Rice Burroughs. I read Jules Verne. And I, I enjoy the whole hollow earth theory. And, and that could be a fun little playground to play in. Preposterous, but fun. And if that's the setting for the movie, like if we go down there and we watch them fight there in the, in, in the bright sun and in the, in, in the jungles and stuff, that'd be cool. But we only go down there to visit a throne and pick up an axe. whoop de do, You know, and have peril along the way. So it's it's a wasteful human trip just to get them up stomping skyscrapers again. And it's just, I I did get a screener to see it. I did get to see it on a little bit of a biggish screen because uh, I kind of do like a little projector behind the couch kind of thing where it's kind of a DIY MacGyver little projector setup. So I got a good size screen. But yeah, I, I'm checking my watch. I'm wondering where all the fun is. And it just didn't, just really didn't work for me. Um, I know that sounds like, oh, it didn't work for me with uh, expectations, but I just don't. I just look at people who enjoy this movie and I go, boy, you it's the pandemic and you've really set a low bar of this is what gets you all hot and bothered. Like there are so many better movies from an action standpoint, from a creature feature standpoint and from a compelling character standpoint than this one, because if you're going to spend this much time on humans, make them matter, make them good, make them make them fun, because these are not Independence Day level humans. And that's a movie where you have a creature feature and a, and a silly, stupid sci-fi. But you have characters, you're like going, dang, you're just compelled to watch either succeed or, or triumph or get past loss. And you just don't have that going on here. And it just it's just lazy. It's slow. It's, it's not enough. That's my minute. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's not good when um, you're talking about Independence Day. Uh, being a uh, an example to live up to, I love Independence Day <laughs> because it's 
it's big gaudy fun and then still compelling. Like I'm I'm getting all riled up with listening to President Lone Star give him give his little speech and Will Smith punching aliens. Like there's at least fun stuff there. And oh, I, and, love, I love Independence Day too. I was oh, huge when it. I was a kid. So um but like I look at like to me that's like I do call that the high water mark of like, hey, if you can get a disaster movie and a creature feature to do that, have have humans you can cheer for, humans you feel sad for losing. And monsters and stuff that are completely threatening, that's a good disaster and monster movie. And I haven't seen one of those in a long time. Absolutely. I'm with you on that one. Yeah. Yeah. We've struggled on this podcast, uh, I have anyway, with expectations. (laughs) We've talked about this on uh, multiple occasions where I've started to follow Don's example and not watch trailers. And okay. not get excited for things. I'll sound like a doctor. How's that working for you? Um, it's okay. Uh, it, yeah. You know, it depends. I mean, when it comes to stuff that I'm going to see regardless. Right. Um, That's like, what I see the most. Like Suicide Squad and um, yeah. Black Widow and stuff. Like, I haven't watched the, the new trailers for that. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm missing something, but... At the same time, I know that I'm going to get more out of it because um, with something that's genre-based like mm-hmm. um, Godzilla vs. Kong and with the spoilerific nature of trailers these days. I know. Um, that's what gets me. Yeah, I, I just, uh, I you know, I wish I hadn't watched the trailers for this. I don't mm-hmm. know if it would have made any difference. Personally, um, I wonder, but for some reason, I got excited for this one. I remember being excited for uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters. And Mm -hmm. what I will say about that is they did a really good job of like um, making moments of that film like you could take a screenshot of it and put it as a poster in your room or something. It would look really cool. Yeah, definitely. But the film itself is really bad. And, um, yeah, it doesn't uh this one just doesn't I mean it does a better job of making the char- the human characters not relevant. Mm-hmm. Um they're kind of there to to move along, but this is the main complaint. Tell me if you've seen this, but anytime you okay. criticize a film like this, mm-hmm. people will come out and say, "Well, we just want to see monsters fighting." And I'm like, "I know. I want to yeah. see them fighting too." <laughs> me too. But it's like, you know, I understand that need for you know, non-cerebral popcorn yeah. movies. I get that. I, I love stuff like that myself. Mm-hmm. But there's just so much, there's just so much, they're putting so much on us liking human characters and having yeah. to go through the human characters Yeah, that the film really has nowhere to go and it doesn't deliver on its promise. And I, I, I've been trying to think of recent versus films because i think okay. it's it's not a huge genre no um, it was big back in the day but I, i'm trying to think of the major ones that have been released with versus um i'm trying i'm guessing like aliens versus predator stuff like that i didn't i forgot about that one but yeah there's that there's batman versus superman there's right. um freddy versus jason mm-hmm. <sighs> with the exception of freddy versus jason where there's really no good guy to root for Right. There's all these movies kind of follow the same formula and you could predict what this movie was going to do. 
Well, that's the other uh, thing. Like when when I did see the trailer for this, and it was so much Kong love in the trailer. I'm like, well, then he's gonna win. I so much for Team Zilla. Like as soon as I saw the trailer, I'm like, it became instantly predictable who's going to win. They're not gonna kill that eight in front of that kid. Simple as that. Uh, I knew then, like, oh well, then this is just gonna be perfunctory. So yeah, I it becomes predictable. I kind of had the opposite because let's take Batman versus Superman. Mm-hmm. Those are both good characters, right? I mean, they're both good guys. So are they yeah. going to stay? Are they going to stay fighting each other? No. So right. you knew in that movie that they would probably fight for a little bit and then, mm-hmm. oh they sure, become friends. You know, and Freddy versus Jason—they don't want to piss off one fan base or the other. So you knew that it was going to be a tie. Mm-hmm. Um, the director came out in this one and said before they started shooting when it was the script stage that there would be a definitive winner and i guess we're spoilers because we're that kind of show i guess we get one with kong kind of having his axe and staying up above while godzilla retreats with his tail between his legs back to the sea but i don't i can't call that a knockout i can't call that a super duper that's a judge's decision right there well what the trailer gives away is that kong definitely wins like the first two skirmishes Mm-hmm. And then Godzilla has a moment where he kind of defeats Kong, but decides right. to not kill him. Yeah. But then Godzilla gets his ass handed to him by Mechagodzilla. That's true. And Kong has to save him. So it's kind of like a tie, really. Sort I of. know. It, like, I, well, that w- I tell you what, that's one surprise the trailer didn't give away. I'm happy they didn't was Mechagodzilla coming into play. Was the one cool thing like, oh, all right, here we go. Like third player here. This could be a triple threat match for WrestleMania. But yeah, it, it that was a cool twist. But then, of course, they go nowhere with it. And for some reason, and this is the other hard part is when you have humans in a movie, it's their dumb decisions that ruin it for the other parts of the decisions of the movie, because you have this massive incredible piece of technology come back at godzilla foiled by water on the fucking keyboard like come <laughs> on like i i could spill it i don't drink coffee but i can spill a cup of coffee in my laptop and i can keep zooming with junior high kids it wouldn't stop anything it ain't gonna stop mecha godzilla come on just mm-hmm. it, that's where you get to the you could tell they wrote themselves in a corner of like how can we take this ass kicking thing that probably would beat the crap out of kong and godzilla and give him the Achilles heel of terrible, dumb weaknesses, unless there are the humans on it to fix it for us. Stupid as can be. Sure. Oh, yeah. definitely. Um, and back to what you were saying about Independence Day. I mean, yeah. You look at the cast of that, and you've got Jeff Goldblum and mm-hmm. and um, whatever Lone Star's name is, Bill yeah, Pullman. Bill Pullman, right? And um, a lot of great character actors, you know, um, mm-hmm. yeah. filling up side roles and things like that, and. Um, it's you're, they have good actors uh, in these roles in these movies, uh, and Godzilla vs Kong has some good actors in it. Um, oh, definitely. But, but if you, but if you take someone who's very exciting, like I think uh, Millie Bobby Brown's a really exciting actress. I think mm-hmm. she's great. Everything she's in, she has a, a, a unique energy to her. She's very um, fun. Um, you can tell she's got star power. Um, yeah, if you're going to make someone like that boring, you know, then you've mm-hmm. definitely got some, you've definitely got some uh, issues at the yeah. script level stage and at the editing stage. And in this movie, would, I mean, I can't call Alexander Skarsgård exciting. I mean, he's a good looking guy, but he's not Captain Energy. Rebecca Hall, a fine, legit actress, 
is not exciting. She's strong and she's solid, but she's not exciting. She's kind of, I mean, she's what Juliet Binoche was in the, in the first movie. I'm not saying they should kill her off in the first 15 minutes, but you know, she's not given much to do. And then after that, Kyle Chandler is kind of there, but not Brian Tyree Henry, who we know can do way better things than this is kind of given the, the bumbling, you know, the bumbling route. I've seen the hunt for the wilder people. Julian, Julian Dennison's way better than this, but he's now sure. the techie sidekick. They had, they, you have these actors, and you give them nothing to do because you're too busy convoluting everything with spectacle. And yeah, by the time you're diving to Hidden Earth and you're doing this, you know, chase the tail stuff that Millie Bobby Brown and Brian Tyree Henry and Julian Dennison are doing on the top side, it just, it's fruitless and it doesn't go anywhere when I, I, I do say it. I, I'll be the meathead that says it. I, Leave, get the humans out of the way and just let them fight because sure. you could do that. I mean, if you if you shoot it, if you keep it narrow and you keep it small, you don't have to have all this human and science stuff. I know they've world building with all the monarch stuff and all that, but you just don't need to. You can you can have some bystanders and have some things. You can have some watching, observant people, but you can still step back and let those guys have a little bit more fight. I, I just yeah yeah just it, what it wasn't enough sacrifice a human character to make godzilla interesting oh my goodness um, yes because is there is there any peril whatsoever in this movie we lose what isa gonzalez tops is that all we get is one side chick is dead and then <laughs> the mecha godzilla pilot guy who's Hirazawa's son he's fine right i don't think Which i had no idea until somebody told me oh i know and then isn't i think damian bashir's ceo guy is fine like i don't think he dies he's fine he? oh he dies he gets a um Mecha Godzilla like uh, swipes oh, him, kills him. Okay, all right. Well, yeah, but that's not a compelling character death whatsoever. I mean, it's a great actor yeah. too, Damien Bashir. It's like it's Jesus. An, another Oscar nominee who's done better. So, oh yeah, the whole the whole film just seems like, and even the even like I'm saying when they're fighting, it's cool to see them fighting. But it is cool when they fight, man. It is cool. But it's but it's also like I said, there's because it's more of a Kong movie. Mm-hmm. Godzilla just kind of kind of comes across as like a dick, like I know. like he doesn't. It, there's no. I mean, I'm not saying that there should be a character behind Godzilla, but like, right? They constantly say throughout these films that Godzilla is like the protector of mankind, and I've never, <laughs> yeah, I've never felt that at all. No, I've never either. felt that um, he's a scourge of the earth to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at yeah, least I, in the last I don't one, they had, at least in the last one, they kind of had mothra and mm -hmm. they had a clear bad guy with, yeah definitely i mean even mecha godzilla is just kind of something to get the two to become friends mm -hmm. fight each fight for each other which is do you think I, they do you think they overplayed it by putting mecha godzilla in here could they have saved that for a sequel and just leave it kong versus godzilla do we need a third player i liked it but do we need a third player um did they spin that card too early and too quickly that's what it feels like to me. There really is no, I mean, the whole idea of like a mega corporation trying to build its own Godzilla right. um, is <laughs> evil enough, I guess, that yeah. doesn't need a lot of characterization. True. But at least with like, um, what's the three-headed dragon's name? Uh, yeah, Ghidorah, Ghidorah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, they had a interesting thing that it came from outer space and it's malevolent in nature and sure. 
it kind of has an evilness to it that needs to be defeated. Like, I agree. I don't know. It just it just felt like they had some personality. It feels like they they knew that Kong is overmatched with Godzilla, mm-hmm. and they kind of had to have Godzilla win a little bit mm-hmm. because he does kind of win a little bit at one point. He he kind of gets Kong down on his on his back and scratches him up and. And then I think Godzilla has respect for Kong because Kong keeps screaming at him or something. <laughs> sure. Um, and whatever. And <laughs> I know. Then, then, like I said, they made it like they made it like a no contest that Mecha Godzilla mm-hmm. is better than Godzilla in every way. Like Godzilla doesn't even yeah. like get a punch in. Oh, and no. um, so they it was kind of like their narrative way of saying, yes, we understand that Godzilla is stronger than Kong, just putting these two together. But um you know all these films you talk about alien versus predator right it it, right because because aliens are more like an insect kind of thing and predators are more like thinking creatures they 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 wisely i can't believe i'm saying wisely with anything on alien versus predator (laughs) but i hear you there they wisely focused on the predator as kind of being the superior uh creature and Mm -hmm. they found a way to kind of team up with the humans at the end or whatever i mean i i I can't even remember what happens in the second one because right uh, and uh, even with like Freddy versus Jason, like they they found a way to get Jason in the dream world, so that way Freddy gets his knocks in, and yeah. then when Freddy gets put into the real world, he's obviously just a wiry, all right, you know, right. wiry dude with claws for fingers, and you've got this Hulk who's Jason, mm-hmm. so like. They they kind of leveled the playing fields for them and had them fight on equal grounds, and they still had a tie in the end. But in this one, it's I think it's very clear that Kong is overmatched. Like you said, Godzilla's a sure Godzilla's a nuclear power plant with spikes and armor, and he can fight in the ocean. Like Kong mm-hmm. can really only fight like you know on land, yeah, on land, and give an axe. Yeah, yeah they it, give it, him an axe, and oh, yeah. So they had no way to narratively make their make their bout truly mm-hmm. um, interesting in that they have a grudge against each other. Right. And then they had no way to really have them be friends at the end without one having to sacrifice for the other. It's it's just really poorly. I mean. It's called yeah. Godzilla versus Kong, so I wasn't expecting like, you no. know, Lawrence of Arabia or something. No, I wasn't expecting Face Off with Travolta and Cage either. You know, right, right, but it right. It, it it just doesn't have any impetus behind it. It's it's very much like I don't know what the original Godzilla versus Kong was about, King Kong or whatever, back in the seventies or whatever. Either. But yeah. it just seems like. And this is kind of the case with Freddy versus Jason or Batman versus Superman or any of these other alien versus predator. Mm-hmm. It just kind of seems like something that's always been in a fan's mind. Like, why don't these two fight? Oh, I know. And this, this one is like bathtub action figures right now. Yeah. Yeah. And this one of all of those, I mean, you, I can find some merit mm-hmm. from alien versus predator or Batman versus Superman or Freddy versus Jason. Yeah. This one I'm, I'm having trouble even on the basic level of just having them fight. I know. See, like having it make any sense other than wouldn't it be cool if. I know. That's the best I got with it too. And even 
and it still feels out of place because to me, and I, I don't want to sound like an old school purist of film, but all that, but the real King Kong to me is 20 feet tall and he takes a girl to the Empire State Building. You know, I know it's cool to have to have a big gorilla named Kong come from an island and do what the second movie is doing and then have him obviously come back and be bigger and better to take on a Godzilla here. But King Kong's so much more interesting in those other places when he isn't when he isn't the same thing as Godzilla, a big thing that just lumbers around when, when he has to tactfully get around the human threats and the other threats around him and fight T-Rexes and all that. Like that was infinitely more interesting than this. And, and the, the weird thing for me is, especially with how, how, you know, just, just jerk off nuts. Warner brothers is about building this whole thing. I was really surprised with this movie and I got to hit the bell because here we are at the end. But um, I was really surprised that, there's not anything in this movie to springboard you to another one. They did such a, they were, they were so purposeful all the movies along the way to be like, Hey, this is next. And here we go. There's like, if this is the end, this is a whimpering little end. I was surprised there wasn't a springboard to, or a teaser for the next thing. Since they were so confident with this one. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it, I, I and, like, I, uh, and I'm not exactly pining and waiting for the next thing either. Like, oh, great. What, what could what could they possibly do next? So, I will give them props for this MonsterVerse for not like hitting us over the head with it. Even Marvel at its, you know, mm-hmm. in its beginnings was very histrionic about like, you know, at the end of um, Iron Man 2, you know, you find Thor's hammer in the desert. And there was right. it was very overt with its like. Mm-hmm. I, I will give the MonsterVerse credit. Whenever its ending credit scenes would come up, it was just like kind of a a, a nice but not overbearing sneak yeah. peek at what could possibly happen. But there was never yeah. like any storytelling parts with it. You never knew where it was going to be going. You just thought, oh, there's a cave painting of Ghidorah, so we know mm-hmm. that's coming. You know, like it was very subtle and very small. But you're right. This one is if everything was building up to this. Yeah. Um. Kind of a weak I just don't, don't see the point, really. I know. I know. Like, if that's, if this is it, or this was the peak, or the big finale finish, yeah, not, yeah, I'm the same way. Well, that's a double hater edition for you folks. Um, it's funny. Sorry about that. I had to pause good. for a second. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because um, I was just thinking, I was telling Don off the air that um, I have this raging headache right now, and, um, <laughs> and uh, this film, gives me a headache too so it's not helping that i'm talking about it because it's making my headache yeah. worse. <laughs> oh my all right close this out sir all right uh so follow us on twitter at cinephile fits and on facebook at cinephile hissy fits podcast also find us both on letterboxd we've posted a well we're not going to post a poll because uh we yeah. don't need we're, to we're, know we're both winners together. and the we're movies the sole loser that's right Yes. Uh, so thank you so much for your captive audience and social media participation. Uh, Cinephile Hissy Fit is a 25YL media podcast brought to you by RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. Please visit, rate, review, and subscribe. If you enjoyed the show, we have more where that came from with interesting hosts and wonderful guests, all available on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you find your favorite shows. Sweet, man. Thanks for the, t- thanks for the good talk. And it was fun to do a double hater edition. One of these days, We'll tip the scales to a double love edition. I just know it. I know we can. It's in, it's in us. We can do it. Because what we'll do for a hissy fit is complain why no one else loves it to the same level we do, man. That's right. 
Exactly. I'm sure we can find something along those lines. Absolutely. All right. Take care, Will. All right. Well, take care. See you later. Hey, this is Charlie, Triple C, from Brevity Box, a new and interesting podcast from the Ruminations Radio Network. If you're a fan of podcasts, we have a lot of great content to offer. Come check out our diverse group of podcasts and hosts at ruminationsradionetwork.com.